0: Hey, Free Tools. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go ahead and give us a call? Number is two nine one sixty nine zero one. And you put a two two five in front of that number. You can reach us from anywhere inside the continental United States this morning. That's right, and we really wish you would. And I see we've got a caller already. Good morning, Clark. And good morning. How are y'all doing today? Doing We're great, doing sir. great. I got,
1: a, I got a small problem. My son bumped into a truck in front of him. Okay, and he hit the trailer hitch. Uh huh. And it's a two thousand six Honda. Okay, and I'm debating because of the way it hit, it was in the middle of the bumper, mm-hmm. and y- you've got that bar with the absorber behind it. protect. That, well, it hit it right in the middle so that it kind of bent back and it's touching the AC condenser. Yes, okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm debating whether I should really. It, everything, we've had it for a couple of days now, and everything's working fine. And the shop once says I need to replace it because mm-hmm. he thinks it's going to go bad in the long term. I was just wondering, would I really save any money by having them do it now or if we just waited until down the road and maybe replaced it if it does go out?
0: Well, Clark, what I see a lot, we see a lot of that kind of problem, and mm-hmm. if something's out of place, things start to rub around. It's real hard to see everything that's rubbing, and mm-hmm. most of that stuff is aluminum. Like the condenser and all that's aluminum. It doesn't take a whole lot of rubbing to knock a hole in it. Mm-hmm. And if you do, you're going to add about six or $700 to an already – pretty expensive repair plus you lose all your air conditioning and all that i mean if you're absolutely sure that nothing is rubbing together and all that then you could probably wait a while that bar is made out of a steel uh called martensitic steel so it can't be straightened i mean it's 150 000 psi steel you can take it off take a sledgehammer and beat it on and it just bounce right back off i mean it's it's amazing how strong that stuff is But I would want to make absolutely sure that nothing was rubbing. I've seen stuff like shove the core sport back. It's really not visible, but maybe it kinks like a cooler line to the automatic transmission and end up burning a transmission up, stuff like that. So you just have to have someone get under it on a lift and really, really do a thorough inspection. And if nothing at all is rubbing, yes, you could probably wait on it. But if anything is out of place or rubbing, you're going to definitely be dollars ahead to get it repaired sooner rather than later. And now with all that being said, you have taken away your front end crash collision. Integrity. Integrity, right. What has actually happened is now all you have is a piece of plastic up there. So if you hit something else, it's going a lot, lot further into the vehicle.
1: Oh, no, we're replacing everything. Mm-hmm. I'm just debating whether to go ahead and replace the air conditioner condenser. Oh, no, 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 no. No, no, I'm no. Sorry, no.
0: I misunderstood. No, if it's not damaged, there's no sense in replacing it. Maybe. It's not going to go out. The only thing that's going to make it go out is if it rubbed a hole in or something like that. But well, no.
1: that's, what, that's what I figured. We've been driving it for a couple of days. Yeah, I know it's going f- to be a week before we actually get the work yeah, done. Yeah, right, no, no, right, no, right, no. Okay.
0: You would have known by now. It would only you know, That system only holds a little bit over a pound of refrigerant. So, it would not take very long at all. I mean, within a couple of days. They have a pretty bad problem on a lot of Hondas where a rock will fly up and hit that condenser because of the way the bumper's designed. And generally, when it happens, within two or three days, you've lost air conditioning. Okay, okay. Because that's that's what I was worried about. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, I misunderstood it. I thought thought you were talking about leaving it in direct condition. Yeah. Oh,
1: no. No, no. No.
0: I wouldn't replace the condenser just because it got hit, you know, unless it were bent or damaged or something like that. Even being bent, as long as as it's a long 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 bend, it's not a sharp pointed bend i've seen them last a long time with a big long bend in them right from and, being hit in the front you know you can hedge your bet too just by having them put a set of gauges on it with it running and look at the high side pressure because if anything is wrong with that condenser the high side pressure is going up oh i can do that yeah but, and the proper pressure rule of thumb it should be about two times the ambient temperature plus 40 degrees in order uh, yeah plus, let's say it's 80 degrees outside two times so 80 be, is 160 plus 40 Be should be around 200, 200. At okay. an oil. Not not absolute, but pretty close. And just okay. make sure that that condenser didn't get pushed back into the radiator core. Right, where it's you rubbing need to on look the inside. Between look between them. Right. And check all your fans. Make sure none of that's rubbing on anything or broken. Well,
1: yeah, it's kind of hard to do that until it you get that, button, then get that bumper off. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. over there. And the body okay. shop
0: will probably do all right. that anyway.
1: Yeah, and I just didn't know if they were just trying to be careful and say, you know, every time they see something that's bent, they think to be on the safe side, just to replace it. Well, well it's
0: in their best interest to be. Yeah, I mean, oh. if something goes out, where are you going back? To? Yeah, you to blame them. So, yeah, I can I can see both sides of it, but from Me a financial too. standpoint, I don't think no. it's prudent to worry about. I mean, as long as you're understanding that, hey, if it fails. A year from now, it just failed.
2: Well,
1: yeah, and that's my point. What I'm mm-hmm. looking at is, you know, you don't know if it's going to go out or not, and that way you can save a little money. Absolutely. I just didn't want to have to do it down the road, and it costs more, because maybe I have a cover off
0: already. No, you know? no real big savings. Okay. All right. Okay. Appreciate it. Thank you hey, all right. very much. All right, thanks scholar, man. Y'all having a good weekend. Thank thanks. you. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. 291 6901 is the number. If you're already part of the automotive, aisle, we'd certainly love to have you. Why don't you go give us a call? We'll try to help you out and point you in, in the right direction, give you some free advice. That's it. And should you happen not to make the call in today, or you think of something after we go off the air mm-hmm. today, or maybe even next week at midnight, you can always go to our website and get your questions answered that way. The address is agcoauto.com. That is A G C O A U T O.com. There's a contact bar on each and every page. You just fill out the little form and send it in. It couldn't be much simpler than that. That's right. You go ahead and get it to me, and I will always get that back to you. If it happens to be during a weekday, I'm generally sitting at my computer, and I check that several times during the day. So normally within a couple hours, you're going to get an answer back. Right. And should you happen to have to send it, say, at night after about 830, <laughs> it's going to be the next morning before you get an answer back, I'm sure. That's funny how when you get to be an old man, night becomes 830. <laughs> I remember where I didn't get up until 830. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought moving around. Good late. There, there you go. go. <laughs> but yeah, if it comes in after that, I'll probably get to you in the morning for something. Uh-huh. But you yeah, be expecting it early. No, yeah, well, you'll get by 5 o'clock in the morning. When I get up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other end of that. When you go to bed at 8.30, you get up at 5 in the morning. There you go. Get up before daylight. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I used to laugh at my dad for doing that. I know. That. <laughs> I did too. My wife and I were sitting there this morning. We looked. It's 5 o'clock, and we're both away. Wow. <laughs> Must be time to get up. <laughs> hey, 291-6901 is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive Hour, we'd love to have you. And if you got a question about your car, you go ahead and give us a call. We'll try to help you out. We're going to take our quick little break, and we'll be right back with more on the Automotive Hour. If you ever plan to motor west...
2: My way. Bieber should never, I repeat, never be cloned. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me. Alphonse, the know-it-all Cajun. Hey! Call her what you want to know. Alphonse, my six-year-old car needs about $2,500 worth of
0: work. A new AC and tires. You think I should do it or invest in a new car?
2: So how much you paid for it six years ago? $40,000. Well, now it's valued at about $10,000, so it costs you $30,000 to drive it the last six years. That's $5,000 a year. Well, let's say you keep the car and spend about 2500 on repairs every couple of years, which is about 1200 a year. Way less than a new car, huh?
0: Whoa, sounds like I need to keep my
2: old car. Then bring it to Agco Automotive for regular maintenance, and it will last you even longer. Now that sounds like a good investment. Hey, Al, you got any stock market tips? Oh, for that, you got to tune to my other show, Al's Financial Hour. Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. Agco, it's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back. This joins the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis Alvarez, with Mr. DeBrian Terry. Hey, tune to us. We'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. If you got something on your mind, give us a call. We'll be glad to try to help you out and point you in the right direction. There you go. And that's right now is the perfect time to call. we got time to answer your question well, thoroughly right. and get you some great information. Yeah, a lot of times folks will call in towards the end of the show, and we end up either running out of time or whatever because radio being what it is, well, you've got to be out here right at 11 o'clock because we have another show that follows us. So if you call at that time, we're just not going to be able to get you a call. So now is the time to give us a call. We're glad to try to help you out and then give you a good thorough answer to whatever it is might be on your mind. That's it. We're talking about folks who email questions in and all. I see you got a stack of uh, email. I that, do. Right? I do. We actually have several here that were asked during the week and mm-hmm. thought pertinent enough to be put on the air this morning. That's so right. we have one from Jeffrey who is in Georgia. He has a 95 Pontiac Sunfire. Uh-huh. It's got 363,000 miles on it. Wow. Okay. That's a lot of miles for Sunfire. It is. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of miles for anything, really. He wanted to know if he had a non-interference engine. He has a 2.2-liter four-cylinder engine in that vehicle. Right. And the short answer to that is that is an interference motor. What that means is that if it jumps valve timing, the valves will hit the pistons. But when you hear non-interference motor, that gives a lot of people a false sense of security. It does. Every engine under the wrong conditions is an interference motor. Correct. Because any engine can suffer damage if it jumps timing. So you don't ever want to be lulled into a false sense of security saying, well, this is a non-interference motor, so I won't worry about it. Because any engine can suffer damage. I've seen lots of engines that were considered non-interference engines, and valves hit the pistons or valves hit each other or whatever. Anytime an engine jumps valve timing, it's going to be a problem. Sure, because you have a valve that's coming down and a piston that's going up, and that's if they're right. not timed together, they both get in the same space at the same time, and then that's <laughs> it's right. over. Two items cannot occupy the same space at the same time. That's it. And <laughs> hey, we're going back to our phone lines. we got Jim online. Good morning, Jim. Morning. Good morning.
1: Delighted to have y'all on the air and on the new station. Well, really thank you, great. sir. Thank you. We have. I'm 75 years old, and okay. we have an Acura MDX that is now in its 27 month. Okay. Of life, mm-hmm. and it has 12,000 miles on. it.
0: Okay, so low mileage.
1: Yeah, so we don't. We're at a point where we don't drive a lot anymore.
0: Yes, sir. a Lot, of but folks I are that remember
1: way. At, when it gets three years old, which will be in a little while.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I need to have that looked at, Donna, with because uh, the battery's going to be going out. And yes, sir. The belt's going to need changing, and the coolant as well, I
0: would imagine. Yes, sir, there's several things that need to at least be reviewed at that minus, gym. The belt on that one is going to be EPDM rubber, so it may still be okay. Those last up to six years a lot of times. But the coolant, I would say, definitely needs to be looked at. We could check the pH on it, check the reserve alkalinity and the specific gravity and tell you if it's good or bad. But you don't want to push that because if it starts getting corrosive, you can have more problems down. Oh the
1: road. yeah, I want it out of there when it gets. Yeah, back.
0: I would. And again, you made a good point about the battery. Most batteries last around three years. I think the average across the United States is thirty-eight months, and slightly less in the South. So because it's so hot, so. Just to avoid a problem, particularly if you don't drive it every day, they tend to wear out faster under those conditions because they don't get charged quite as well. So I would probably have that out of there as well. Just do a good general inspection, check everything, and there's going to be a few items. So y'all take do. care of it for us. Absolutely. So that we'll
1: know to bring it back in and let y'all have another go at it.
0: There you go. Well, I'd be glad to help you out with it.
1: All righty. Thank y'all very much. All right, Jim, take thanks for calling, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All
0: one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want to be part of the Automotive line, we would absolutely love to have you. And we're going back to our line with Mike. Good morning, Mike.
3: Hi. Good morning, Lewis and Brian. Thank you very much uh, for taking my call. I've got a question for you. I've got an 04 Grand Cherokee. Uh It's got about 92,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. And I've got a rattle in the left front of the car. When you hit bumps or small potholes, Mm -hmm. and I can't find it. I've taken off the sway bar, greased up the bushings, put it back together, torqued it down. Grab the wheel, you know put it up in the air, moved it right to left, top to bottom doesn't move. I'm just trying to figure out if you've heard of anything similar on those vehicles.
0: If you have already taken the sway bar loose, more than likely you're going to maybe be into a shock issue what okay. happens is that shock is gas charged. Yep. so it's trying to push outward and if the hardware at the top has gone bad, it would be very difficult to see that without actually taking the hardware off. What happens is you have a stud sticking up there with a, a metal washer, a rubber cushion. It goes through the frame. Then you have a rubber cushion, a metal washer, and then the nut that holds it all down Yep. tight. If those cushions go bad, it'll rattle and sound just like a sway bar. Right. All right that, that's, the, that's the first thing I can think of off the top yeah, of my and head. Yeah, so you can't tighten that nut anymore because there's also a steel sleeve that goes through that keeps you from over-tightening
3: them. So, yeah, and I've, not- I've noticed on that bushing, it's got some small cracks around it, and it seems to be... I mean, it's torqued down, but it seems to move a little bit where it meets the... Right, it should not move at all, because
0: what happens, that sleeve torques down, so it can't move any tighter, but the cushions get loose, so it it develops slack. And that will definitely give you a noise like that. I've also seen the other side of that shock go bad. It's a round bushing with a bar pressed through it. Yep. And I've seen that bushing go bad, and the shock will rattle on it, because the bushing will actually get hard and shrink. And the one way to kind of tell that is that... If every time you hit a bump, it's sort of a fast noise like bump 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 like that sort of a noise It's generally going to be sort of a shock absorber. Something like a ball joint will generally be a slower type of noise because the control arm is not actually pulling apart; it's actually moving up and down, so it's more of a creak kind of a pop. Similar, but if you really know what you're listening for, you can actually distinguish between the two. Another thing: if you cut the wheel slightly and it changes the noise. You know, the whole little pressure on the wheel and it changes the noise. Then it's more likely a ball joint or a tie rod. But if that makes no difference, you're more likely into a shock.
3: Yeah, it does. the vehicle direction doesn't seem to matter. And it sounds like a bunch of loose you know, washers for lack yeah, of a word. Right. So. I
0: would probably take that shock off and examine those cushions, see if they're not worn. And if it's got a lot of miles on it, you might just replace the shock. It's probably due yeah. anyway. Yep, and gotcha. Very likely solve your problem.
3: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate you uh, for taking my call. All right,
0: Mike. Thanks thank for calling, you. man. Have a good day. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Two nine one sixty nine zero one is the number. If you want part of the automotive, I would love to have you. And noises are a funny thing. Something that sounds like it's really easy to find could be the devil to try to find on some vehicles. That's right. I know we've chased noises, and we've got all the stuff to do it and all the experience of doing it. But... A lot of times we use a series of microphones that will hook underneath the car. We've got actually some remote microphones we can clamp in different areas under the car. Then we've got a set of headphones and a rotary switch where we can switch between them to listen to the different areas. And that helps out a lot. But even with that, it gets very, very difficult. It does. Noises blow around under the car because sure. you may I've had people come in and say I got a noise in the back of my car, it's driving me crazy and you go driving noise is actually in the front. Right. And vice versa. They'll say I have a noise in the front of the car and it's actually in the back. It's very, very difficult to tell where that noise is coming from. And the best thing to do is actually have the tech ride with you. Mm -hmm. That way you can point out the noise because I've gotten into several vehicles and there's five or six noises that they're already used to. Mm -hmm. But this particular one is driving them crazy. Mm -hmm. So unless you know which one you're going after, you could spend a lot of time looking for something that the customer's not really looking for. Right. Well, you make a good point because most cars do have some noise or noises in them, especially as they get older. Yeah, and some noises have maybe been there all along. The customer has gotten used to that noise; they don't even hear it any longer. Sure, doesn't and, bother them. Yeah, and they know it's not it's not hurting anything; it's not getting any worse. Or maybe they even know what it is. But when they bring the car into a shop, and they say, "I've got a noise in it." Well, first thing to tech, he's never drove that car before. Exactly. He gets in, he hears every noise there. So he can sit there and run down every noise, but that takes time. And And time is money. time is money. Correct. You're spending a lot of money tracing down things that you're not worried about. Right. So you don't ever want to go in and just say, hey, I got a noise. Yeah, fix my noise. Yeah, because most likely they're going to go in and try to fix every noise they hear. Exactly. You may spend a whole lot more money than you need to because some noises you're not concerned with. So what you need to do is ride with the technician... Put him in the car with you and say, okay, that is the noise right there. You hear that? Yeah, I got it. Mm-hmm. So then he can go after the one noise, and he he might even mention, okay, well, how about the other noise? Oh, no, I'm not worried about that. Right. I, I know what that is. I actually had an elderly couple come in. They were driving a Crown Vic, I believe it was, mm-hmm. and they had a noise in the back. Well, I drove it, and I never heard the noise. Got the lady to come back and ride with me. Mm-hmm. Put me in the car, and they both got in it, and we went for a ride. And she did something in particular to make it happen. And when she did, I heard it. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, that I can find. I drove it before. I I didn't operate the vehicle in that manner, and I didn't hear the noise. Well, right. You're going to drive it in sort of, I guess, a conservative manner. Conservative manner. Right. And also in sort of a blue sky, down the road, middle of the road type thing. Uh You can drive like most people drive most of the time. But a particular driver may have a particular style. They may do something a certain way or whatever. They may just drive a little bit differently, and that may produce the noise. Correct. And so you may not ever hear it. So that's why it's so important to always ride with the tech on noise complaints, unless it's just like a bang, 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 all the time, uh-huh. something very, very obvious. Well, then you may not have to go to that extent. But on any kind of a peculiar noise, I know we get cars in a lot of times, say, well, I've been to four shops and nobody can find this noise. Well, no one's taking the time to get the customer to ride with the technician and point out the noise. Exactly. And that's why it's not getting found. So it's actually an office problem more than a shop problem. Sure. So you can actually change that and make things a whole lot better for yourself by just a little slight change of procedure. There you go. Hey, we'll go back to our lines with Jeremy. Good morning, Jeremy.
1: Morning. Good morning. I have a question about an 05 Chevy Silverado. Okay. Um, I noticed an exhaust leak, and I
0: believe it's on the driver's side manifold. I will bet you, Jeremy, it's probably the last bolt. On the driver's side, it should. Sure sure exactly, the bolt—the bolt's actually missing. Yeah, Our, the head is going to be gone. It broke the, it broke the
1: head right it off. Does, I was just right. trying to figure out what I should do about, it, like, you know, what I can do to get it fixed.
0: I tell you what, to fix it, what you have to do is remove the manifold, get the rest of the bolt out, and you have to replace the manifold because what happens? That manifold warps and it actually pops the head off that back bolt. Very, very common problem. Now, why it's always a back bolt on the left side, I don't know, because all of them are about the same. And and I can tell you, it's not an easy bolt to get out. No. Because the firewall kind of curves around in front of it, and you've got to have a real short drill bit and a 90-degree drill. To actually get in there and do any drilling if you have to. Generally, it breaks sometimes, off flush with the head. But sometimes you can take and, and pick them, and they'll go ahead and back out if the threads aren't galled it up. Or if you're lucky, it may leave a little bit of bolt sticking out where you can, you can grab it with, some it with ice ice something. or something. But most time, they break off flush with the head. And I've had people just go in and drill a bolt out, put the old manifold back, put a new bolt in it, and about a month, two months later, they it's got broke again. again. Yep. Oh, goodness. That's a pretty big job, I assume. <laughs> Fair, fairly big. It's probably about, by the time you get the manifold off, drill the bolt out, if it has to be drilled out, you may be about three hours in the shop. Shop rate is going to probably run 90 to to $100 an hour, so that gives you an idea of labor costs. And I'm not uh, right. sure what that manifold costs. Manifold's probably around $150. Don't quote me on that, but I think it's around that amount of money. But what'll happen is it'll start making noise if it's not now. So you'll think you've got a valve ticking or something. So it's all tick, 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 And tick. it's usually exactly. only cold <laughs> in the morning. Yeah, when it's cold, it'll do it. And it can actually throw an oxygen sensor code under extreme conditions. Oh, okay. If, if it starts leaking enough, it'll start throwing an oxygen sensor code. It'll also take out the plug wire on that side because that hot exhaust gas is blowing down on that spark plug. You know, I've seen it take a plug wire out and start missing, change the plug wire, and it goes right back out again.
1: Okay, well, I really appreciate the, right. uh, the time and everything.
0: All right. All right. Look, do yourself a favor and check the other side, too, because it's not as common, but I have seen it happen. Occasionally. The bolt will break on the other side also. Yeah. Almost always oh. that, that left side rear bolt, though. Yeah, it's uh, just a Chevrolet uh, thing, man. Yep. <laughs> right. All right, well, I really appreciate it. Thank y'all. All right, right yeah, everybody's calm, man. All right. Bye-bye. Two nine one sixty nine oh one is a number. If you want to be part of the automotive I would absolutely love to have you. That's kinda of inherent in the design of the engine. I mean it, it happens to ninety percent of them. Yeah, I don't know where that came from. They didn't have that trouble with the five sevens and the, all the small block engines. When they went out came out with the four eighty. When they five, redesigned it, so yeah. Something in that design. I that, don't know if maybe the manifold's too light for the application or what is actually going on there? I don't know, but I know when they first started happening, we assumed well, maybe this got some bad bolts or maybe somebody over it or whatever. So we would change the bolt and every time almost within a month or two they come back with the bolt broke again. Right. So then we start replacing the manifold and the bolt and have had no recurrences. That, after that. kinda leads toward a poorly designed or yeah. under designed manifold. Right. And I think the replacement manifolds are actually a little better because once we replace them we have not had that issue again uh-huh. and it could be the manifolds that are going to production are not cured and there's a, they're rushing those so that might be a green casting right and, and it's just flexing under the heating and cooling could be the ones that are in replacement have been sitting on a shelf somewhere or maybe they are a little more cured cast iron who knows what all i don't know all the thermodynamics there you go. go into <laughs> it i just know what happens right and <laughs> just the end result that's right so but that's one of those weird things just kind of funny a lot of times folks will call with a certain kind of a problem and and right off the top of your head you know what that is oh yeah we've seen it and that is what we call a pattern failure right and most car types have inherent pattern failures just certain things that happen to a lot of them and generally it's going to be around the same mileage where it occurs Mm -hmm. there's one on also on the Chevrolet SUVs and pickup trucks Where, say, you're driving along, and all of a sudden, the left side starts blowing hot, hot air, heater air. you got the air conditioning on, and the left side starts blowing heater air on. Okay. It It gets very, very hot. The center vent's still blowing air conditioning, and the right side's still blowing air conditioning. Again, that's a pattern failure on the GM products, particularly on the SUVs. It can happen in the cars also, but not near as common. But there's what they call an actuator motor. Right. And the way the dual zone system is set up, there's two actuators that control doors. That duct air either through the evaporator core to make it cold or through the heater core to make it hot, which is the way it's always been. That's right. Well, if the left actuator door or motor goes out, and I don't know why. Again, why does the left one go out? Because the same part, left and right.
2: I know, but the left one that one one happens uh...
0: most of the time. I have seen a few of them go out on the right. But what happens is you'll be driving along, and all of a sudden. It's August, it's 100 degrees outside. You reach over, you turn the air conditioner up, and it starts blowing. Yeah, it's 150 outside it. yeah, yeah. in your face. Yeah, <laughs> not a pleasant situation. No, it's not. Now, if that happens to you, and obviously you can't get to the shop immediately, uh-huh. what you can do is you can pull over a lot of times, turn the truck off, turn the air conditioner off, turn it back on, and turn the air conditioner back on. And sometimes it will reset and okay. start blowing cool again. It will actually rehome the motor. Right, until it occurs again. So once it happens the first time, start looking for a shop because within the next couple of weeks it's, it's going to happen again and eventually it's going to come on it's going to stick on and you're not gonna be able to get it off so you don't want to wait until the last minute until it uh-huh. gives you an issue there where you are under the gun right so anyway that's another one of those little pattern things. <laughs> we could go on days for that oh that's right hey we're gonna take another quick little break and be right back
2: with more on the automotive hour and that's why you never put a dead or live octopus in the microwave. Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me, Alphonse the know-it-all Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know? Alphonse, my old truck needs some repairs. Or should I buy a new one to save money? Well, let me get out my calculator here. Let's say a new truck costs about $35,000 plus $3,500 or so in taxes, then higher insurance. And you know, in about three years, the value is going to drop to about 15000 That's $8,000 a year just to drive it. Wow, I've never thought of it like that. I suggest taking it to Agco Automotive for a general inspection to see if your old truck is worth keeping, which I think it is. And if so, keep bringing it to Agco for regular maintenance and you'll be able to drive it for a whole lot longer.
1: And I can spend money on other things like my
2: beautiful wife. I'm assuming she's right there in the room with you, huh? Alphonse, you do know it all, don't you? Booyah! Learn more about the benefits of Agco at AgcoAuto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O.com. Agco, it's the place to go.
1: Because the man with the whiskers has a lot behind it. Hey,
2: but welcome back. Just joining us, the Automotive the artist. Artist. I'm your host, Lewis
0: Alderman, with Mr. Brian Terry. Hey, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you might have. Why don't you go and give us a call. It's 291-6901. We were talking just before the break about the air conditioner and pulse motors that mm-hmm. operate all the doors inside the air conditioning unit, box, and everything. And that has come a long way. And when vehicles first started coming out, there was actually a heater box, right, with no air conditioning in it. And you had a little valve. You had to reach over, and you had to pull over. You had to reach over on the passenger side and move this valve to get heat. Well, it progressed into a cable operated door right. later on, mm-hmm. which you had the driver had control. Didn't have to pull over anything to adjust the controls. And as the, the cables kind of phased themselves out they started using engine vacuum well they wanted something that was a little easier to move a little smoother feel give a little more quality feel to the driver and they had the engine vacuum there already that's right they had been using vacuum motors for ages mm-hmm. the old one that comes to mind the old 55 chevrolets had a vacuum operated windshield wipers yep, on them that's right so they they had had the technology they started using that and then when they, all the electronics and the computers came out they actually stepped up to a pulse width modulated type motor Mm-hmm. to operate in those doors so you actually just send in a command now instead of actually moving a, a lever or applying vacuum. And the motor actually moves the door and when we say motor it's not a motor in the conventional sense that it's something that spins uh-huh. it's something that moves or turns it's actually technically an actuator and those operate not on 12 volts like most things we think about right they actually operate on five volt pulses And the way that works, I believe, is that zero volts will put it in the center of its travel. Okay. Five volts will move it to one extreme, and then negative five volts, reverse polarity, will move it to the other other extreme. extreme. And generally, once it's put into a position, it will remain in that position until it receives a pulse to move back the other way. And what it does, as as it starts to receive pulses, it starts to move a little bit of time incrementally. So it will pulse it until it gets the temperature that it wants, and then it'll stop. And then it watches it, and if the temperature starts to warm up too much, it pulses it back the other way a little bit. If it gets too cool, it pulses it back the other way. But the point is, this is not something you can go in with a voltmeter and check. Because no. it's not like a 12-volt on-off type setup. No. It's that- a square wave going to a motor that encodes it, moves a pulse, and it works on counts and there's a rheostat inside the little actuator that reports back what position it's in. So the computer knows where right. the door is at. It knows what it's commanding. It knows where it's at. Now, if those two don't agree with each other, that's what happens. If something malfunctions, then it may freeze up and it can't send a signal. So it's going to stay wherever it is or it's going to move to one extreme or the other. Right. And usually the, the far extreme is usually a default setting. Right. So you don't you lose visual of the windshield. Correct most cars with the HVA system when they default they're going to default to defrost if it loses the mode, because defrost is sort of a safety issue. So that's why, if you ever notice on the old vacuum systems, when you would break a vacuum line or something... It would always blow out the windshield right. on the floor. That's right. Or maybe you were going up the bridge and you would accelerate heavily and it would start blowing at the windshield. Uh huh. That's because the engine vacuum dropped down. The tank, that stored vacuum, is no longer connected. So as soon as you load the engine, drop the engine vacuum, it defaults to defrost. Correct. Same thing with this. Heat is probably more critical than cooling. Because although hot air is going to aggravate the devil out of you, it's probably not going to kill you. Right. But in a sub-zero part of the country with children in the car... You may actually start having fatalities if you cut the engine heat off. Oh, yeah. You, you can't have human beings living in a, or riding around in a car that's 30 degrees below zero <laughs> if you live in Montana somewhere. Right. So they generally are going to default to heat because it's just a safety-type issue when it becomes confused. And, of course, down south, we just have to put up with it. Well, that's right. Well, you know, <laughs> ain't nobody worried about those rednecks. <laughs> yeah, that's it, huh? <laughs> hey, give us a call. It's 291 and, you know, just for folks who maybe are new to the show, maybe this first time they've heard it or they have it On the other station we were on, of course, we've been on there 23 years. Right. Everybody knew exactly what we were all about. But this program is about questions and answers. You call us with problems you're having with your car, questions you might have about your car. It doesn't have to be a mechanical problem. If you're wondering what kind of car you should buy. Right. Or something automotive related uh, or anything to do with a car or truck or a vehicle of any sort. We'd be very happy to get That's you a- Right. Unbiased answer. That's right. I'd be glad to try to help you out and talk to you about it, point you in the right direction on it. My experience, of course, I've been a ASE master tech, and I've also been a shop owner. I own Agco Automotive for 40 years now. And, Brian, you've been with us for a number of years. What, I've you've been wh- there since 91. Yeah, way over 20 years. And you well, were doing it for other folks before that. So right. So between two of us, we've got several, several, several years' experience and there's probably not too many questions you're going to have that we can't answer. If I don't know, then I'll look it up and call you. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to have to be a specific answer. You know, what kind of fuel pressure does the Chevy truck run? That's right. That's we right. may not know, but... Yeah, but you can just give us a call, and you are know, always glad to help you out. Of course, we also operate a website, agioauto.com. Sure. Great website. Free website with tons of information. Pretty much recaps everything we talk about on the radio show. And a lot more. I think you'll get tired of, of reading questions and answers and articles before you have the full site covered. That's for doggone sure. But yeah, you can go on there and anytime you have a question during the week, of course, we're not on the air. I ask that you don't call me at the shop because Uh I have a pile of technicians giving me work cars all day. I've got a pile of customers. We generally operate about 30 customers a day. Right. And that takes 100% of my time trying to serve the people who are paying my salary Uh the customers that are in the shop right now. So if you have a general question, what you can do is either send me an email, be glad to get you an answer back, or wait till Saturday morning, give me a call, and I'll be glad to talk to you about it. But I can't just stop and come to the phone. Not that I'm rude or that I don't want to talk to you. It's just not the point. It's just the folks who are coming in the shop and having repair done are paying my salary. So 100% of my time has to go to them. And I can't stop and tell you, look, hold on. I got a guy here who wants no yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, that's, that's why we have the website set up. That's right. It's an excellent way to get a hold to us. And Louis will answer your question, get it back to you within 24 hours. And like you said earlier, a lot of times sooner if he's sitting at the computer. Well, that's right. And Elaine and Elizabeth answer the phone at the shop, and they are going to be able to answer 99.9% of any question you might ever have. Uh-huh. Because the answer is generally going to be, well, bring it in and let me take a look, because I'm not going to be able to diagnose it over the telephone. I know we do on the radio, but on the radio, we're talking about generalities. We're not talking about specifics. specifics exactly. you know, I say, well, check this, check this, check this. I'm giving you some, point, some guidance. But when you bring the car in, I have to tell you exactly, because whatever I tell you when you bring your car into me, you're going to expect that to fix that problem, and rightly so. Sure. So that rises to a whole different level of diagnostic thing, and I have to see the car to actually do that. So that's why we asked, bring the car in, we'll take a look at it. We will give you an exact price before we do anything, and then we will guarantee you that that is going to fix the problem. It's going, right. going to be the price we told you, and it's going to fix the problem. And we charge in one-tenth increments. Yeah, one-tenth so, of an hour increments for everything we do. So our shop rate is $90 an hour, which is pretty competitive in the Baton Rouge uh-huh. market. But we don't automatically charge you for an hour's time. No, if, if we you, spend a half an hour, it's 45 well, Correct. I mean, if you spend 10 minutes, it's going to be around $9. If right. you spend an hour, it's $90. But we don't charge an hour. We charge in one-tenth of an hour increments. So if I spend 2 tenths, it'll be $18, and that's all you're going to pay. We exactly. Don't ever charge. It's not a set right. one-hour flat rate A flat fee rate for fee. looking at anything. Right, and that's how we bill for everything. We just find it's a lot fairer system. It, sure. It works real well for Do So we charge for the time we spend on the vehicle. That's absolutely right. Let's go back to our phone lines. We got Elizabeth online. Good morning, Elizabeth.
1: Hey, good morning. Good morning. Yes, I wanted to congratulate you guys on you change. Well, thank you. For the new station.
0: Well, we sure appreciate it.
1: My windshield wiper, the fluid doesn't Uh come out when I push it.
0: Okay. Uh And
1: and the thing is full. I know it's full.
0: Okay. Can you hear a little motor, a little something running when you push the button? Yes. Okay. More than likely, the electrical side of that system is operating like it's supposed to. If you push the button, you hear the motor run, then all the power in the ground, everything's working. Now, there's also a tube that takes the water from the reservoir runs it around the body, and actually sprays it out the windshield or the wiper blade arm, whichever application applies here. And what That's happens fun. is if you use regular tap city tap water and don't put a uh, windshield washer-type fluid or into worse, it. Or worse, if anybody puts a detergent. A like, detergent, like detergent like or something. In yeah. Don't use that? No, no. no that can actually clog ah. the system up, and the pump motor will start building pressure and blow the hose off so you push the button and it is actually coming out but it's just coming out underneath the car where you can't see it (laughs) (laughs) it'll actually stop the little hoses up and the little ports for where the water sprays out on the windshield Mm -hmm. are very very small so it doesn't take a whole lot to stop those up okay need to get Mm -hmm. it in and have it looked at and see what is actually going on a lot of times you can take and clean that system out with a, a regular quality windshield washer fluid Over a period of time, it will eat that bacteria bacteria and everything else away. Whatever's in there. But you can actually take an air hose and a little bit of compressed air and blow it backwards and blow that stuff out when the hose is off the pump. You can actually blow some of that trash back out of the hose and then hook it all back up, see how it works. You may have to do it several times or that in combination with the washer fluid. Right. We'll actually clean it out and get it to start you working again. buy the again. regular washer fluid. To right. They actually to it. blue, or I think it's got an orange out now. Yeah, that will actually prevent that kind of a problem. And one thing you might just try is push the button and hold it just a little bit longer. Park on a driveway that's nice and dry and see if you get a puddle of water under the car when you do that. If so, it's most likely one of the hoses is blown off.
1: Okay. righty All right. Do you have time for one more question? You bet. Okay. I have a, it's a 07 Kia and the TPMS light. It comes on and it'll go off. Like after I drive for a few miles, it'll go back off. And sometimes it comes on while I'm
0: just sitting. Kind of goes. The most common thing would be that there is actually a low tire on the car. But if all the tires are full and they are at the proper pressure, and when I say proper, it can't be over the maximum and it can't be under the minimum. Either way, we'll set the light. But if all that is good, the most likely thing, one of the transmitters has probably died. And being an 07 model, it's seven years old now. Those little batteries in those transmitters do have a life. And those batteries are not replaceable without a transmitter. They're right. actually built into the transmitter itself. Oh, so wow. you have to change the transmitter to change the battery. Yeah, we can go in with a scan tool and see which one is not transmitting because there's four of them on that car. Some of your Toyotas have five, but that one has four. You can see which one's not transmitting and you can trace it down and then you can replace the transmitter or... If you really don't want to go to that expense, because it is fairly expensive to do, and it's going to continue to happen until all of them eventually go dead, you can just kind of ignore the light and just start checking your tires manually like we did for a million years before the head (laughs) Now, You say it, it only does this when it's cold?
1: It does it randomly. Randomly. Yeah. They're 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 day. okay. Yeah, I've I been w- driving for a while. So it Sometimes might be at, at the threshold. Quick. Right. The I
0: was going to say little, if, it was cold, mm-hmm. if it was cold, the, the air pressure could be a, lower than the specification. But as you drive the car, the air pressure will actually rise from the heat and expansion of the air in the tire, mm-hmm. in which w- it may come over the threshold and turn the light out. Correct.
1: Okay. All right. Now, how do you know a good tire pressure, or how do you know how much air
0: to put in your Well, you can look at the reading on the door, and that's going to put you pretty close. We have actually a method where we like to go a little bit more than that in most cases because tires last longer, but it will also make the car ride a little harsher. So as a good roundabout rule, just look at the little tag on the door tag, and that'll tell you where to start out. I like to go 10% under the maximum on the sidewall. In other words, if the sidewall says 44 PSI, I like to start out around 40 PSI. But on some cars, that may make the light come on also. So you have to watch. you got to kind of – Some have an upper threshold. Some have a lower threshold. Some have both. You have have, have to find a happy medium between tire wear and keeping the light out and good ride. So if you start out with what's on the door tag, that's going to put you pretty close, and you can kind of adjust from there. And you want to set that cold. Right. Cold pressure first thing in the morning. Before you drive it. Set it to the door tag because, like I said before, as you drive it, the pressure is going to rise. So if you set it to the door tag when they're hot – When they cool off, they're going to come underneath the door tag pressure, which is probably going to be under the threshold for the TPMS. All righty?
3: Okay, thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank
0: you. Bye-bye. All right, we've got to take one more quick
2: little break, and we'll be right back with more. Joanne, you hold on. You'll be straight up after this break. And that's why cayenne pepper should never be stored in the bathroom. Yeah! Hey, it's the Ask Alphonse show with me. Alphonse, the know-it-all Cajun. Hey! Caller, what you want to know?
3: Alphonse, my car needs a new transmission, but I think there might be some other problems looming in the near future. I might as well get a new car,
2: right? Well, here's what I'll recommend. Take it to the pros at Agco Automotive for a general inspection. They know their stuff and they're mighty honest. They'll be able to see if there's any problems like in the future and tell you your best option. And if you keep your car, bring it into AGCO for regular maintenance and you'll be driving it for a long time. Thank you, Alphonse. You do know it all. Say, are you as good looking as you are smart? Well, let's just say, I uh, know you wouldn't be disappointed. yeah Learn more about the benefits of AGCO at agcoauto.com. That's A-G-C-O-A-U-T-O dot com. AGCO. It's the place to go.
0: Hey, welcome back to final segment of the Automotive Hour. I'm your host, Lewis and president of Agco Automotive. I've got my lead tech, Mr. Brian Terry, right here in the co-pilot seat. Hey, between two of us, we'll try to answer any automotive questions you have. Just go ahead and give us a call. It's 291-6901. And we've got Joanne's been patiently holding. Good morning, Joanne.
1: Good morning. Yes, Good morning. Ma'am. I have a 2005 Buick Sabre, and when I turn my air conditioner on and I'm going down the road, sometimes on the passenger side, it blows hot.
0: Okay, that's probably pretty much what we were talking about before, Joanne, with the actuators. There's a bunch of little stepper motors under the dash that control not only the total temperature, but the temperature from side to side or the balance. And if that stepper motor hangs up or malfunctions, it's going to blow hot on one side or hotter on one side than the other. So that is most likely going to be the cause. It is possible that the control head, which is the actual computer that runs it and all, can malfunction and cause that, but that's not as likely. Generally, what it will do, will actually store a code. You know how when the check engine light comes on, it stores a code? When the little light comes on on the dash that you can see? Right. It does the same thing in this, except it just doesn't turn a light on because it's in the body control module instead of the power control module. So what we do is we go in with a GM scan tool. We go into the body control module, and we can retrieve the codes. And it'll say something like right temperature actuator out of range or something like that. Then you have to go in. You can actually command it to move. You can watch the steps on it and all that. And you can determine if it's bad or not or if it's the command going to it. So it's not too, too hard to diagnose. Now, some of those are fairly easy to change, maybe an hour or so labor to get in there and get to it. Some of them are real bare. You have to almost take the dash out to get to them. If I remember right on the Buick, it's not too bad to change that one. So it would just be a matter of testing it, seeing which one is causing the problem and then go ahead and replace the actuator or the control head, whichever the problem is. Well should I wait it goes out totally on that side or Well it just depends. I mean if you if it's happening very infrequently right now and your money's a little tight, you can wait because generally it will Keep doing that for a while and inevitably it will fail totally. When it does, this could probably be on the worst possible day. It'll be when you're dressed up, going to your daughter's wedding, and it's 110 degrees outside. (laughs) But it's not an emergency. It's not something you have to rush in and get done. If you got the money to get it fixed right now, yeah, sure, but why not? But if not, I mean, it's something that generally, if you turn the car off, and there's if you can stop the car, turn it off, turn the air conditioner off, turn it back on, a lot of times it will correct itself temporarily until it occurs again. So it won't hurt the other parts. No, ma'am. It won't cause further damage, but it will eventually fail. Okay, Okay,
2: great. All righty. Thank you. All
0: right. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All one sixty nine zero one is the number. You want to be part of the Automotive Hour? Had a lot of great questions today. That's right. It's a good, good thing when folks call in, because not only do they get their question answered, obviously, but all the other people who are listening, because and, the person who calls in, there's 1,000 people listening who don't call in. Right. And, and they, they get questions answered as well. They have the same situation or know somebody that does and would like a answer, but may not want to be on the air. Well, that's right. And we've got tons and tons of callers because the Automotive Hour goes out on podcasts, it goes out all over the United States and really all over the world. Uh And so we get email from folks in Europe and Africa and Asia and everywhere else. Australia. Uh, That's right. I've got one gentleman down in the Philippines who emails fairly regularly. He must take care of a lot of cars. Right. And he likes Toyota products. He emails on a fairly regular basis. So he's just one that comes to mind. Also got a gentleman in England that emails fairly. That's uh, great. And they all say, well, we listen to the show. Of course, they would have to get up at (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> one o'clock in the morning to try to call in, so I don't think that's logical for us to expect them to do that. Sure. From time to time, we do get calls from folks out of state. Oh know, yeah. Last week, we had a guy from California that called in, so we do appreciate those as well. You we just do. Got to do the math and figure out when we come on. Training time you're zones out. You there you go. Uh, of course, a podcast is not a live feed, but it's a recording of this feed. And sure. The advantage to that is, of course, all the commercials have been edited out. <laughs> <laughs> so you get pure one hundred percent. Automotive Hour. There you (laughs) go. And we really appreciate all the people who listen to that. Oh, we do. Uh, It goes out over iTunes. It goes out over Stitcher. It goes Mm -hmm. out Podbean and Podcast. Most of your popular podcast services. That's right. And one thing that we always appreciate is if you look on most of those, you can go in and give us a rating, a written rating. Uh And if you enjoy the show, we'd appreciate it if you go in and give us a written rating. Right. It actually moves us up into ranks where more people can hear us and find us easier. Well, whenever you go to any type of a service like iTunes or Stitch or anything, when you just type in, say, the word automotive or auto repair, it's going to bring up a bunch of choices. Right. And the guys who are at the top of those lists are the ones who have the most positive comments, most co- positive feedback. So the more feedback we get, the more it moves us up in the rankings, so the more people will see us. Because if we're number 250 on the list, exactly. a lot of people aren't going to scroll down that far. Right. They're not actually looking. So that's one reason we're always asking folks to give us ratings and rankings if you do like the show. And of course, it makes our day. It lets us know that we're doing a good Good job there you go since we don't actually get paid to do that <laughs> we kind of doing it for the kudos there you go <laughs> but yeah we always appreciate that and just go on there and if you go to my website you can also there's links so if you don't know exactly how to get to stitcher or how to get the itunes you can link it from my yeah, website which go on there and click on it, it'll it actually take you to us agcoauto.com a g c o a u t o dot Easy way to remember that is take the acronyms Altizan's Garage Company. That's right. And that'll get you right straight to us. While you're on there, look at the detailed topics. Lots of those. Those will cover a topic in in depth in depth i got one that i'm putting together right now should come on next week and it's about the transmission problem they're having with nissan that is going to be a great article yeah a lot of people that own those vehicles should read that article the frontier the xterra and the pathfinder Pathfinder, all having a real trouble with transmissions going out so right this article goes into in depth about what's actually going on with them right that and how to actually prevent it correct so hey we're just totally out of time we're gonna go ahead and back on out of here I'd like to thank all our podcasters for listening this week and every week and tell your friends and get some more people listening to us that's right hey pre was opinion based
2: on our experience in the automotive industry have a great weekend